Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of the Subscription Web Design Podcast. For the first time ever, I have a guest on the podcast, my good friend, Christian. Christian, how you doing, man? Hey, man. Good to have me uh, on, on, the, on the show today. Um, looking forward to see what we're going to talk about today and uh, what yeah. we can bring your listeners today. So. It should be good, man. I'm excited. Um, do me a favor because I don't think I have ever tried to do this before. How do you pronounce your name, your full name? So in Dutch, it would be Christian van Hof. Wow. So that, that's what would be try. in Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't yeah. try. Uh, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, um, I wanted to bring Christian on because he and I have been working together for uh, quite a few years now. And, you know, one of the things that I really want to start talking about more is this idea of, of scaling. Um, because, you know, for me, and this, this may or may not be true, um, but one of the ways that I define having a job versus having a business is that if the only time you're ever making money is when you're sitting in front of a computer screen, you arguably have a job. Now, it might be a nice job. It might be a high-paying job. And it might be a job uh, that gives you still some freedom and flexibility. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still just a job. And so in order to build a business, there are quite a few things that you have to do. And one of those things is you have to bring in people who are able to do things that you are not able to do, or maybe you are able to do them, but they can do them better. And so I, I just wanted to, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to let Christian sort of introduce himself a little bit here, but I wanted to kind of pre-frame the discussion that that's how me and Christian started, uh, working together was by actually being able to say, okay, well, Christian can do this part of the, the work that I can't do. And it might take me three hours to do something that takes him three minutes. And even if I have to pay Christian for that three minutes, almost certainly that's a better use of my time and money and resources than for me to sit there for three hours and try to figure it out. So that's kind of the, the lay the foundation of what we want to talk about today, how to get started with some of that. We're going to talk a little bit from the technical perspective, but I think even more from the business perspective. So um, Christian, if you would just sort of introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, like what do you do? And um, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. So uh, my name is Christian. Um, now it's still 29. So I'm still a, a young boy um, that's still having a, a lot of, time ahead of him um but i live in brazil uh i've been living here for the last seven years uh and uh, that's why because i got married to my wife here as well five years ago uh so my origin isn't brazilian of course as you can see with my appearance um and my last name so uh, i'm born in the netherlands um which is where uh, i grew up uh, went to university uh, I got a major in international business and languages. So I speak, speak a few languages about like four or five different languages that I speak. Um, so, uh, and I grew up in a, like a family company, family business. And that's kind of how I rolled into the perspective of wanting to like run my own business in the future. Um, and to be honest, until now, I've only had, a year and a half as a full-time employee at another company. The rest was either <laughs> a few hours a week at a company, like a local supermarket or something like that, um, or working freelance with my own clients. 
and now since the last three years um i've gone three and a half years i've gone full-time in web development um and i've been helping agencies scale up um by being their preferred white label partner uh on projects in that way that they could focus on the business focusing on sales learning the ropes um and scaling up in the meantime and building recurring revenue yeah um i had no idea you spoke four or five languages that is like really cool um yeah yeah so so christian is um is very popular in some circles uh some of you guys may even um know him uh he's very popular in josh hall's community and uh, of course you guys know that josh is a coach of mine um and uh we've been friends for quite some time and uh, a lot of people sort of know Christian as like the, uh, at least I, I know him as like the resident code monkey, right? I, I, I met Christian because Christian is a whiz with everything related to, to I mean, CSS and PHP and like, I, I guess, JavaScript. I mean, he just knows a lot of languages and knows his way around them. And so for me, whenever I had problems arise, you know, it would be like, um, well, again, like I mentioned earlier, it's so much easier for me to reach out to him and have him uh, to work on that. And so what Christian has, you know, in various different capacities for companies, like I know there are some times where you'll do the design work, you'll do uh, more of the actual just on-page building work, um, and then sometimes you'll do some of the actual development and, and coding work as well. But I, I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't know, even if they do know you, they maybe don't know how experienced you are uh, in business. Um Tell me a little bit about like you said you grew up like you know in a in a family business. Did you work in your mm -hmm. in your dad's business or how did that how did that go? So I basically got was born in my dad's company uh, as in a way that when I was born my parents they uh, run ran the company together. So my dad had founded it. So to give it a little bit of like background story, it's a um, so they sell beds. Uh, so they use a, bed, a water beds, box springs, um, uh, mattresses and all that around it. And they sell like, uh, wardrobes as well. And all like the, the extra things that you can sell next to it. Um, and that has been growing over the last, like it's been around almost 30 years, I think that my dad has that company a little bit more, I think, because since I was young, my mom did most like administration of the company, my dad ran it. Um, and over the last year, like over those years, he's really focused on like the consulting part, not just selling, mm -hmm. really helping people like with their issues. And even though they would maybe like purchase something more expensive, he would still get them the right thing at the time with the knowledge of that time, what would fit for their specific needs. And since uh, my mom was working there <clears throat> uh, when I was like, when I was born, because I'm the el oldest of the family, we got four kids at home, which are not all kids anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, most are grown up now, <clears throat> but I spent like my days as a, like as a toddler, like just, crawling in the store which then was a tiny store which now is a tree storage store with like the main level upper level and the basement where all the stock would be wow. um, so that and 
from a young age, I was at the company, like I was there. So I started just uh, like three, four years old. I started just like uh, taking like the biscuits and uh, the cookies into refill certain places at the store where they would have little seats uh, with tables uh, where they could talk with clients um, and uh, advise them. And I would just refill like the sugar and the milk and like the cookies that were in there. And that's kind of how I started out in that company. And bit by bit, uh, I started to go with my dad to clients. So if he would like, if there uh, would be a client with issues, he would go there and like from at four, five, six years old, I would just jump in my, in my dad's car with him, visit the client, pretend to be the expert on everything <laughs> around beds uh, and go that way. So that's kind yeah. of like how I gradually started to be part of the family business. I've never been under contract like fixed. I think just half a year that I've been uh, working fixed at my dad's company. Uh, but I just helped out when needed if there was like... Uh, if there was an employee that like did mostly deliveries and installations, I would go with uh, the other person to still have, because a lot of the jobs are like two man jobs. If you need to go upstairs, like if you have like yeah. um, a double bed mattress, like you just can't with one person lift that up the stairs. Like, uh, there's a lot of like bigger cities with in the Netherlands with like smaller apartments and you still need to get it up the stairs. And that was kind of how I rolled into like the family business in that way. And when like I got older, like at home, we just started to discuss things about the company, even though like it wasn't my thing. I was like the sounding board in some things inside the company for my dad, just because our personalities aligned quite oh, yeah. a lot. And that's how I grew up in that. Yeah. You know, there's a real, there's a couple of things I want to kind of pull out from that. So, um, you know, it's a really simple example of you, like, you know, restocking items in the store while your dad is having those consulting conversations. Um, like that is normal. That is basic business right like it's basic no. business that if your dad is restocking the shelves so to speak then he can't at the same time be advising a client or a customer and the reality is is that his highest and best impact is advising a, a customer or making a sale or thinking through a strategic decision, right? This is basic business. People get hired every day for jobs because the next person up the up the ladder from them has a more uh, significant role to play in the lifetime of the business. And I just think it's so interesting, and you can give me your thoughts on this. Tell, tell me if you see this a lot or if I'm just coming out of left field. For some reason in this world, in sort of the digital web design, graphic design world, we don't typically think this way. Like we go into business for ourselves and we think that we have to wear all the hats. I mean, one of the most popular like business management softwares <laughs> is called 17 hats because we're used to having to wear all the hats. And I think this is just a false assumption. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, but you don't, certainly don't have to do it that way. What are, what are your thoughts on that? So I think... Um, 
when you look at a business, not everyone looks at a business the same way. Like, obviously, it's like if you would, like, let's say you would, like, if you put it into the Christian world, like, if you would ask 10 pastors to give a sermon about one scripture, none of the 10 would have the exact sermon, yeah. like, prepared. Uh, just because when you look at things, we see it from a different angle. And the same way is depending on how you get into business. Let's say there's people that um, have always, like, they, they, they've gone to design school. They have gone into, like, they did, like, an IT or, like, uh, a web, web design um, education, like, formally. And that's how they got into web development, which... If we look at like our industry, that's maybe <laughs> might be five to ten percent, might even be a lot uh, that going that way. So if you look at it from that perspective, a lot of people don't come from a a business perspective or like a totally educational perspective into our business. And if you would take it like wider in any business, you usually start a business either because of financial needs <clears throat> that you think that work, like after having worked for different people, you think you can do a similar thing for yourself and you start your own company in that way because you're tired of making someone else money uh, and you want to make the decisions yourself and you get into that position of running a business. On the other hand, there's people that started to do things on the side as a hobby uh, because they had someone ask for it. You started to investigate uh, how does that work, how you do build a website. So let's say I read something about WordPress. I'm just going to see if we can set up a WordPress installation, pick a theme, get a website done, and that expanded and exploded. And there's like any different ways people can get into business but rarely because they wanted to be uh, a technical person. They wanted to be a business person. They wanted like take care of like employees. They wanted to take care of all the different hats you can wear in a company. Um, and no one gets into business because of that. It's a lot of things that they didn't expect a business would entail mm -hmm. in doing like admin work, like, how many people go into business and they're like five years in and they don't really have a, it could be just a spreadsheet of like their like income projection with their costs, with their um, revenue um, and what they're in, in the end making. Um, and that's what's just happening is when you get into business, you don't expect what's all involved in it yeah so um i i totally agree like and the same thing transparently happened uh uh to me now of, of course i i had a business mentor when i um when i was you know teenage years etc and so i um and i saw how much more money he made than i did so i i definitely went into it knowing that something needed to you know that eventually needed to happen i i got advice from um, actually there was a few people that were saying this when I first started to get into the online, uh, you know, business world, 
looking at different influencers and what they had to say. And um, I did hear the advice of scale early of like hire your first person before you think you need to. And I, I actually, I do think that's good advice. I took the advice and it worked for me. Um, but that's not to say that I wouldn't have done it a little differently in hindsight. Right. I think I, in hindsight, um, I would have, I would like to think I would have still done it. I would have still hired before I was ready, but I think I would have been a little more ready than I was, uh, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Right. I would have at least done some of them, you know, a little bit more of the number crunching, et cetera, versus just diving right into it. Um, but I did know pretty early on that I wanted to, um, I wanted to spend more time, you know, working it on the business rather than working in the business. That's, that's kind of the, the way that we typically hear that talked about, you know, doing the, doing the entrepreneurial work, the business work versus doing the technical work. Now there are some people who prefer the technical work, right. Mm -hmm. to, to doing the business work. And yet they still want the freedoms of that come with owning your own business. So I wonder your thoughts on what does a person in that situation have to do? Like, I wanted to get quickly back to something you mentioned is that yeah. you knew that you wanted to get into a, like a more business owner perspective, right? And yeah. that's why you have the different personalities. And I think when starting a business is really important, even like before deciding to hire someone, is what is your objective with your business? Where do you want to get to? So in my case, yeah. in like since I went full-time the last two and a half years, I've had an, one kind of an intern, one employee, who was my nephew, who I wanted to help out because it was in a, like in a spot that he wasn't really spending much time at home. I would like to just invest in him, in him, yeah. try to teach him some things and just uh, being a good uncle in a way, but still um, like, teach him a few things and in my case like there's like you can get into business with the with the desire to scale <clears throat> because nowadays a lot of people like like no one like tells you to start a business without focusing on huge revenue everyone focuses on revenue and one thing we both have learned is that revenue is doesn't equal profit those two things are entirely different. You know, don't need to be pro like you don't need to have a high revenue to be profitable because profitability is a percentage. And of course, you need to have a certain income uh, when starting for yourself to cover all your costs. And it depends on your like your spending patterns and the budgetary needs that you have. But to start a business, um, you need to focus on what's your objective. Is your objective to like, like to have a high profitability and a high turnover, like in two years, then yes, you need to scale quick, right? You need to still scale quickly. Uh, and in my case, I'm just 29. I've got a lot of years ahead in which I can do like, anything what i like to do depending on what you decide to do right so yeah. once you like if your needs are to immediately solve issues and you know that like in your case steve your your your, your uh capabilities are more business minded 
rather than like solving CSS issues and troubleshooting why things don't work, then you know that for your business to become successful in the web is that you need to be able to decide like to decide how that you want to spend your time on working on the business rather than inside the business. And I think that's one of the main key principles that like everyone teaches you like to uh, become a business owner of like an agency owner of like 10, 15 employees. You need like, you have need to have like a legion of freelancers that you can count on uh, that you work with, but it depends on your objectives. Like in my case, like practically last three and a half years, like last 10 years, uh, because I founded my business in the Netherlands 10 years ago that I started to do my first projects. Um, and I, I haven't really outsourced much to others um, in a lot of things, just because it wasn't one of the things that I needed to do. Because once you start scaling up, of course, a lot of the things that you need to do, they scale up. So if you want to scale up, your admin scales up. Uh, if you, at least if you want to build a business properly, which I think, which from my experience and as well, my education tells me that um, when once like you can like build websites, but if you don't look at what you're actually doing in numbers, if you don't organize things, like you waste time. Because once you have things yeah. organized and you have admin in place, like sending out a contract, sending out a proposal, those things shouldn't be things that cost you time. Or if they cost you time, they need to be high budget um, with that. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things that you need to consider with that. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, a lot of what I'm hearing is it's about knowing your strengths. It's about knowing your weaknesses and it's about knowing your goals, right? Where you want to go. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. And like, there's no definitive like answer on what is good and right. And there's also like things like journeys, like a lot of people, they yeah. say, okay, where I want to go now is where you should go. Like, no. So one practical example. So when 10 years ago, I did with Youth with Mission, which is a, a Christian organization focused on missions, I joined there uh, for half a year. I did a discipleship training school. Um, and part of that was three months lecture in the Netherlands in three months. It was going to Brazil, working as a missionary um, in different like NGOs or churches. And that's kind of how I got in touch with Brazil uh, for the first time. And in my case, I really loved it here. I felt home in a way, in a weird way, because it just felt like, okay, all the puzzle pieces in a way like felt together. Um, yeah. And from that moment, I knew is that I wanted to go back to Brazil. So what I did was when I came home, it wasn't that I booked the flight, like a one-way ticket and got back. What I did is that I initially wanted to study 
accounting <laughs> before. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So when I got out of high school, I went for half a year. I joined Youth with Mission YWAM to do this, the subject training school. But before that, I had run some, did some tests and things. Um, and that was also because I officially have um, autism, Asperger's syndrome, um, which in the past really troubled me in a lot of things. But it's things that I've been able to deal with and still get a business together, focus on relationships and overcome a few of my difficulties. Um, uh, but what I what I did is I really like um, felt and knew that for me to go back to Brazil, I needed to know who I am, where I want to go to, and what would be possible different roads to get there. So what I ended up doing is I ended up, ended up choosing interna oh, international business and languages as my major for uni, which is different than accounting. <laughs> Um, right. And that's how I learned some languages, even though before join, going to uni uh, and before joining YWIM, is that my I was still stuttering. Um, and I had like my, my grades for English were just terrible. <laughs> they were just horrible. Um, just because I was stuttering as well, that really prevented me from being able to learn languages. Right. to uh, like Dutch. I had like difficulties with Dutch, like not speaking Dutch in general, but more like the educational grades for Dutch weren't that great. The same for right. English um, and other languages. And I ended up doing what? <laughs> Partially languages. And that's one of the weird things is that when we have something um that we want to go for, we're able to do that. And, and I believe from my side is that believe is that something that God showed me in terms of like yeah. as a perspective in a, in a way to go. So I ended up doing that, um, that major and I did a specialization in a minor during my four years of uni in um, Latin American business studies. So which then... I combined with an internship in Peru for six months. So that helped me improve my Spanish. And Spanish is then one of the other languages that I speak besides Dutch, English, and Portuguese. Um, and I speak German as well. Both, both Spanish and German have been a really bit uh, rusty uh, because <laughs> of the time uh, that I haven't really used it as much. But right. those are two, two languages that were part of my major. And what I've done is that I've tried to prepare my road to where I want to get. So that doesn't mean that you should, like, if you want to scale up, that you can't just scale up right away. But something is important to figure out where you want to go to. Yeah. And to figure out what are different ways. Um, and if you know that you, Steve, don't want to learn CSS and you just to prefer totally focus on getting business in nurturing clients, selling clients up and going with them, then what you should do is focus on that and get other people to do what you, uh, that you, what you don't want to do, don't want to mm -hmm. learn and don't want to invest your time in because those are lower tickets things that aren't making you more money. They're just saving you money from not in, like 
hiring someone. Yeah, I, I wonder about so that makes a ton of sense, and it's it's exactly um, the route that I take. And I definitely want to talk about. Um, I definitely want to talk about the like how to get started with this, and a little bit about the white label stuff. But but mm-hmm. before we move on to that, um, I, I am sensitive to the, to the person out there who like I have a few friends that I, I could you know in my mind I can picture who are like this. They want to have a business, but their favorite part is the coding, right? Their favorite part is the design. Now you're somebody who you do it all, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but you are also a business major and you actually really like business. So I wonder what your advice would be to someone who says, well, I want to be a business owner, but I don't want to do all the all the admin work, all the, is it, what, I mean, what do you think about that? Is there, is there a case for bringing on somebody to help with the admin work while you focus on, on the technician work that you want to do, even as the business owner, or do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. or advice on that? So I think there's different ways of doing things. Um, and the same way you can have, let's say one person work for you, I, you can, I can still consider you uh, a sole proprietor, right? Uh, you sure. don't need because there's things that are like required to do to run a business. And there are things that like are like extra things that you can do to improve your business. Um, because like, uh, depending on where you are, where you live, you might have more like legal uh, requirements for like, all the things related to taxes and book. So even though you're one person, you obviously often can still outsource things to a bookkeeper, which is in a way uh, someone that you outsource to. Because no one, like rarely business owners want to specialize in bookkeeping, uh, only if you have a back office company, of course. But um, but you don't. So there's things that are part of your business that are just part there, like just like costs. You can't run a business without having costs. You have them in any way to do things. Um, so uh, there's a difference between hiring, for example, like people like that are developers, designers, copywriters, SEO specialists, photographers, videographers, or like uh, business strategists. Um, and there's a difference between essential business operation personnel. And I think you can, like, it's easy to scale. Like, for scaling up, you need other people. Or, you like, because otherwise your time is limited. Uh, you can scale up your income, but you can't scale up your time. Right. Uh, and usually you want to scale down your time. So... The only way to scale down your time is either have less things to do. So that's why a lot of people get yeah. into like community building, uh, courses, uh, mentoring, where they can intend larger groups of people with the same time investment. Um, but if that's not you, and that's what a lot of people that you say is like, I want to code. It's like, I just want to do that. And I still want to build my business is what they should do is like specialize themselves in what they do, get known for a thing and double down on it and make sure that the rest that you don't like but are still essentials, that they are taken care of in some way. Because yeah. the worst thing is building a business, trying to focus on like work with like and still worrying about like if you're going to pay the bills at the end of the month or beginning of the month. 
right? Because that's going to derail you and let you focus on the wrong things. Um, because yeah. then you focus on like the quick projects that are like for short term to really get some cash flow in. And of course, every business has that. Every business has sometimes needs to change their main, um, like the main direction of where they're going and make some side um, choices um, to do that. But you can still do things. So in my case, I like doing some part of the admin work. So I like going into my spreadsheet uh, and I'm probably the one of the techie persons that still likes a spreadsheet yeah. uh, that isn't a software developer <laughs> in right. a way. Because I know that software developers usually they like to like build their own things. Um, I'm I like modern software, and because it really makes things easier. But there's some things that I like to do because I like to have control of what I see, what data manipulate, like like. And over the over the years, my spreadsheet has become like pretty large in what I have in there, just because right. that's my personality type, and I've got a business major, and. That's what I like about like the financial side of things. I like yeah. uh, all that. And that's besides doing branding, design, development. <laughs> See, I, I want I want the result of the spreadsheet without having to put the spreadsheet together, right? Because it's another thing that I'm really bad at, right? And and so for mm -hmm. me to even learn how to do it, like I've got a buddy who um, is a whiz with spreadsheets because he's a finance guy, right? He does uh, accounting. And so like, I'm... I'm, you know, starting to talk with him about maybe putting something together for me um, so that I, you know, that I can keep updated him and, and uh, you know, so, but that's even an example of it, right? Christian is in the, in the weeds, in the details. He likes to see the numbers, but he also likes to put the spreadsheet together and work with it. I want to see the numbers. I don't want to put the spreadsheet together. So I'm going to hire somebody who is good at that thing, who will produce a better version of it than I would. And then I just have it. He'll show me how to use it and it's done. Right now. So that is a prime example of leveraging money, which is, I mean, this is a whole different conversation, but money mm -hmm. is this, like you mentioned, money is actually a scalable resource. Time is, is not money is infinite. There, there's not some like pie of, 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 of money where if, if it, if it goes away from you, it, it, you know, it goes to you, it goes away from somebody else. That's really not how money works. Money can be infinitely scaled. Time cannot be infinitely scaled. We are all working on a clock that will one day run out and only the good Lord knows when that day will come. And so we have to do our best to maximize that resource. And so, yeah, sometimes that is going to mean hiring somebody, spending money, trading that money so that you actually get your time back. And even just the spreadsheet is a really great example. So if you're somebody and you like to be in, you like to design websites and you like to code websites and you want to build websites, but you don't want to do like complex financial modeling and all of that, hire somebody to help you with that stuff. So you can focus on what you do best. Now there are some roles I would argue as a business owner, 
you're just going to have to roll up your sleeves and and do and know, right? You are going to have to get good at sales. You're going to have to know, you know, profitability versus revenue and some very basic numbers, at least, um, even if you have somebody else handle the details. And I would recommend you just read some books and get up to date on that stuff. But like, so there are those key uh, crucial roles, but virtually anything and everything in a business is outsourceable to the right person. You know, there's uh, even, and maybe, maybe you could, Oh, go ahead, Christian. Yeah. So one of those examples is that usually when we, when you think about like scaling up, there's usually like, um, like this, when you're running a business, usually two models, right? If you like have a small business, of course, venture capital VCs, like that's different. If yeah, you have investors and things, yeah. but usually our view is that we have one, the freelancer that might work alone or just like work with one or two other freelancers to fill the gaps or like to as a collective provide a service. So if you don't have all the services, then you just work every now and then with one or two persons together. This is still, I think, the freelancer. There's the business owner that you have. So in your case, you that has people working for him that you outsource to and the different kind of types of activities that you outsource but there's also where you can scale into in time and for one of the things that my dad has done in his business and that's not web but still same thing applies is that one of the things that make like gets him up in the morning is that he likes to not necessarily work like do the business side of things even though he is a business owner an entrepreneur as i see him uh, he's won like the lo a local uh, official entrepreneur of the city award, which is pretty professional in a way where you go, go where you even go into revenue, into all the financial things. It's not just the voting and you just give your community time to vote, which I see a lot, like a lot of awards right. that are like that. Um, but what he what he found out in time is that what he still likes to do is the practical things he still likes to sit down with people that walk into the store walk them through like their needs like when we start a website project the first thing is that we need to do is diagnose mm -hmm. like what type of issue do you have you rarely a company has a website issue the website is just a method to grow revenue or solve business issues Yep. Um, and what he likes is getting to those personal issues in that case, or like if a business issue, issues, if you like don't sleep well, you wake up like every time with a sore body and you wake up like with like being tired, then there's multiple things going on. But what he liked is doing that thing, sit down, see what people need, get into the right solution that falls into the budget, if it would be at his, one of the things that he can provide, or if it would be like a, a competitor or something in his industry that would do it better for them. Um, and in time, what he has done, he has hired a business manager. So my dad, he just, he still was the owner, but he saw himself as a consultant and he had, like, in the hierarchy, he had a business manager in place. Yep. 
Um, that's just took care of managing staff, uh, doing all those things. Um, like, and my my dad just did really like the major top level things, like the C level kind of decisions. So a little bit more the marketing budget things, but a lot of the budgetary things were as well with his business manager. Yep. Um, and so that's another model that rather than the conventional ones with either being the, uh, the, um, the mechanic. So if have you read the E-Myth Revisited? The, oh, the yes. E-Myth? Yeah. So for people that favorites? haven't read, is, read that is, it's the switch from being the mechanic, like the person that does the work, um, to become the business owner. And the mindset changes in how your hats change and how a lot of people struggle with that and how like you can deal with that. And um, like that, those are the conventional things. Either you're the mechanic or you are the business owner. Yeah. That's uh, that is that book is um, I often say it like this. It's probably got the worst cover and the worst title of any business book in history, but it is probably one of the best business books in history. It's well-written and a, and very clear, um, and honestly life-changing. So definitely read the E-Myth Revisited by, by Michael Gerber. Yeah. You got these three levels really, right? The technician, the, the manager and the entrepreneur. And when a technician gets into business for himself, he often forgets that there are those other roles that need to be played. And, and, and for me, like, um, a bit like hiring a business manager is definitely in the future. Um, for me, it's going to be one of those steps that I, I don't know if it'll be the next step, but it's in the next few years. Um, because like I, and I kind of view it a couple different ways. Like, like we have a project manager, Brian, and I'm telling you what my project manager um, kind of getting more into the brass tacks of web design stuff. You don't understand like, the load that that takes off of you to have somebody who is thinking at the project level with you. Right. Cause your, your technicians, um, everybody's great. Everybody's got a role to play on the team, but a technician is purposefully because this is their job thinking in terms of the project they are working on whatever their hands are touching in the moment is what a technician is thinking about. Okay. A, a project manager is somebody who is thinking at the same, not at the same overall level that you are, but they're like, like if you're, if you're watching this on video, you can see my hands. Like they're like at the bottom level of wherever you're thinking they're right there at the bottom level where the, the higher concerns of the business are interfacing with the actual work that's going on, but they're seeing, Right, they're actually seeing an overview of the different projects that are going on, and so it's like I have my project manager Brian every week, every Monday morning, he writes what we call a heartbeat, and that is it doesn't take him too long, but that's basically a snapshot of where we're at with all the current projects (laughs) that we're working on and what is being focused on next and who needs to focus on what and just having somebody think at that level is is an amazing shift and then that goes to the next level when you have what christian's talking about when you have a business manager or a coo or or somebody who is do applying that same level of thought 
to the concerns of the business yourself, like you are. Now they won't, they won't have the exact amount of investment and buy-in that you do because at the end of the day, they're ultimately an employee and you're ultimately the business owner. And it's impossible for somebody else to love your baby as much as you love it. But especially if they're paid well, um, there are some people who are just excellent at that and really skilled at it and love to do that kind of work. So that definitely should be in the thought process for people um, who, 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 are more interested in, in doing some of the technician work long-term, or even if you're not, right? It's good to have yeah. somebody else thinking at that level, right? And I think as well, like, if you say, Steve, are you in five years, are you still going to be running North Mech yourself? Like, is that still going to be your business? Like, if right. you want to say, okay, because um, your business models is one of the most valuable in long-term. Like initially, I know the struggles you've had to grow that because that's what subscription has and working with yeah. freelancers and because you need to get to a certain point to be able to front load money of freelancers mm-hmm. to be able to do things. And you need to have a specific level of recurring revenue of your subscriptions to be able to hire fixed employees, even though it doesn't need to be full time, but you need to be able to buy like 20 hours a week, at least from someone or scaling that up and get like kind of exclusivity from someone. <clears throat> um, but if you were to be able to place and someone in your position and you are able to really focus on the top level on business, improve processes and work on those things, then you get to the next stage of your business and you're in the process of thinking about scaling up, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's gonna make yeah. like create a write a path for you of how things might go and what the issues will be that you might run into. Build to sell goes into um, how you build your business so it will run without you. Yeah, which either allows you to sell the business or just remove you from the picture and just do whatever you want to do during the day. And have a business that runs and that will allow you still like it doesn't necessarily prepare to sell it allows you to be able to sell it but it allows you to run your business your just your by yourself by not wasting much time and being efficient because it focuses on processes like create your process and adjust the process as you go because no process stays the same because every project might be like different in some details, but the major part of the process is the same. Um, And that allows you to either work yourself as a side hustle, because your time is limited if you have a full-time day job and you work in evenings or depending on like what time, like um, the schedule you have in work, because if you are like in a more medical or something area, you might work in evenings or like, mixed things but you want to make some extra mm-hmm. money on the side you need to be able to run that like efficiently you need to be able to do that in a way that it doesn't cost you time in let's say i've signed a client and now what are the next steps like i've got someone interested how do you send a proposal how do you send a contract and how do you then efficiently mm-hmm. start a project how to do you set up a development site what is the tech stack that you're going to use if all those things change every time, 
if all the variables involved change, no matter if you're going to scale up, if you're going to sell the business or just we're going to work yourself, that's going to be issues. Like, yeah. You're going to waste time. And you and you have you know that is that uh, of course there's things that you haven't like haven't been involved with much yourself from like in a long term view like for, for building out full websites you have done that in the past that's how you started because you needed to say, get your first project in sure but it's not one of the things that you've done with the experience of having it done multiple times and having nailed down a process. Um, that's why sometimes people start do a course, so they really get like a head start with that and yeah. implement the the process that someone does, and that's a good start if you don't want to make your hands dirty and you don't have the time to spend on figuring things out. Even though figuring things out might bring you further in the long run because you know your system and what works for your business and your solutions, but in the end, focusing on processes will allow you to build your Pro, like your your company even scaling up yourself because you're gonna have free time yeah and be able to take on more jobs because you're better in providing consistent client experience which is key consistent deliverables um partially because there might be things that the client provides um and that not always are the highest quality that you strive <laughs> to provide um, yeah, um, like that, and you uh, have a re like you have a repeatable thing. Making things repeatable allows you to let's say you got Sam in your team. You say Sam, these are your checklists or these are your processes. Spend a week of your time this month, like your first week. Go through that process of two dummy projects. Like it can be a real projects, can be dummy projects. Here mm -hmm. are a few briefs, like, oh, nowadays, like, go to chat GPT, ask it to create two website briefs, provide a description, provide a, like, a website outline. Yep. Build that out. Provide the content and build it out. Like, use the systems that you have in place, and you don't need, as a business owner, you don't need to handhold him. There might be places where he asks his questions, and that's, that's not because... Um, you did a bad job in creating your processes, but you created the processes being you. Right. Yep. You already know in which folder things need to go into which Google Drive account you need to create the folder. Yep. If this if yep. the process starts like create a folder in the project folder, which folder, which account is linked to that? And there's things that you're gonna run into, but that's the key to scaling your business. And yeah. onboarding people the best way without you wasting time. Oh man, there's just so much there. Like one of the big things to hit on there is, um, like when you're working with people, and again, you're trying to basically teach them your process, which you got to develop a process. Like again, that is that itself is also worth underscoring. Like before I started hiring. I had already started making checklists, making loom videos of how I wanted mm -hmm. things done, storing those things. But those changed over time as I went through the, the process that Christian just described. As I've worked with, with my guys like Sam and Christian and others over the years, what we've learned is that 
well, sometimes it's better to do it this way, or sometimes it's better to do it that way. Or the way I was thinking about it is different than how he was thinking about it. And so the process needs to either, either he needs to get aligned with the process or the process needs to change because actually his way was better. A lot of those discoveries get made in the process of um, like, if you only ever answer questions when your team comes to you, then guess what? They will always come to you to get answers to those questions. So one of the things that has really made the difference for us is I try to answer questions when possible by saying, well, how would you handle this? Or, you know, you make the decision and I'll support it. Right. And as you work with people for a longer amount of time, um, eventually they begin to make decisions on their own and um, you have to be willing to stand by them. And there's a lot to talk about there. Uh, but that is something that can really, really uh, be helpful. So, OK, um, we're, we're getting close on time here. So I, I want to certainly be respectful of, of, of your time and get to a couple brass tacks on, on some things. So. Um, one of the you know ways that you 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 know talked about earlier, like there's different ways that you can work with people. Um, obviously, there's like a freelancer thing. Another thing you could do is joint venture with people. Like um, we're not going to go into details, but like you know there are some people that you like sort of like partner with, you know that you've done in the past on sites, right? Where it's like maybe there's a percentage here, a percentage there, um, and that mm -hmm. might be a recommended path. Let's say that that you're a technician and you want to own a business, but you really don't want to do any of the sales and marketing stuff. Maybe there's somebody who only wants to do sales and marketing and you partner with them 50-50 on projects or something and let them do all the sales and marketing and you come in and then you do the technician work. So that's another uh, route that that you can take. Um, so let's talk about this real quick. So mm -hmm. I often make a distinction between hiring contractors, fulfillment partners, and full-time employees. And so full-time employee, that's pretty obvious. That's what you are before you quit your J-O-B uh, and go full-time. That's a full-time employee. You can hire those two in your business. Okay. Then on the other spectrum, you've got contractors, people who work for you, but not necessarily exclusively. Now they might, but probably not. They probably work for lots of other people. Um, you might use the term freelancer here. I think that would work as well. And then you've got in the middle, what I call fulfillment partners, which are people who they do work like as your team, like they'll communicate on clients on your behalf, et cetera. But they're sort of like a completely separate business entity. Do you agree with all of that? And do you have any like thoughts on where people should think about getting started or any other considerations? So I think like, I think you're pretty accurate in those three different topics, like the different categories, how you can define people. And getting started, obviously, isn't getting someone full-time. Um, obviously, depends on your kind of company, right? If you would have a clothing store, physically, of course, you would need full-time employees or at least right. part-time. There's no way around it. If you have, like... Um, a store like a company in a shopping mall you need to meet the requirements of that shopping mall of like opening hours so right. uh, like supposedly if everyone listening today like to this podcast and everyone in your audience is mainly a web design business then i wouldn't recommend getting full-time employees because your revenue isn't 
stable enough yet from the start. Or most likely, what you will end up doing is you will pay your subcontractors more than you do yourself. And that's one of the golden rules is what for me really worked as well, besides the two books that we already mentioned, was for me reading... Uh, and actually that one I think I've actually read <laughs> um, is the book from uh, Mike Michalowicz, uh, Profit First. Yeah. And Profit First allows you to just, even though you don't know much about finance, you're just used to paying your own bills and you haven't really put any thought to finance, is the focus is to like reserve a percentage for yourself and then build the rest besides taxes around that to allow you to either have a strategic reserve and have funds for operational costs. As soon as you've done that, because a business is not going to grow as long as if the um, business owner isn't like happy with what he's doing with his business in terms of like uh, resolving his personal issues, because he usually create like we discussed in the beginning you start a business because you want to make more money or change your lifestyle like or in my case because i hate taking orders from <laughs> bosses hey, um, right? i yeah. don't deal well with that but um from there what, what so so what you do is you start to keep your costs low the lowest possible you start with project-based fulfillments so initially you what you do you start with freelancers and you try during the process you start to uh, filter those freelancers to see if there's freelancers that meet your view of life and things what you do that are aligned in how they deal with your clients if they get in touch with them how they mm -hmm. respond with you how they are faithful in deadlines or how to communicate like you, there might be like people that you like. Books of I might not always be the best person with deadlines, but it's all, a lot of times because there's things that come in between. That's life, and that's all. Sometimes because deadlines aren't really right, um, because there's a lot of sometimes creativity involved. You can only have that fixed deadlines if there's a fixed time spend on the task. If you yep. say, if you do invoicing, you know the number of clients you have, you know the number of time that costs. So you know each week I need to spend a, a week, like a, an hour on that, just because you can say you can set a deadline and you say, okay, it just needs an hour. If it's something creative in the pro, like the initial design process of inspiration, wireframing, going back and forth, um, doing that, so you need to take a pause. You need to work on another project to open up your headspace to do things. Then um, that's hard. So during the filtering process, you find is that someone I can become a partner with long term? Because you get to uh, on a on a on a like on a staircase of uh, that you're going up of people that um, are let's say, um, in a place where they uh, are either initially a um, like a freelancer and then secondly, they can become the fulfillment partner and then a fixed and full-time employee, 
that what, what that goes up is reliability and consistency. Those are the two main things that apply. Uh, consistency in time spent with your company, consistency in mainly working with you or like being available, consistency in pay, um, because mm -hmm. you have them as a more consistent spend or investment, depending on how you see it. Um, and the main thing is as you get business starts to scale, you need to provide consistent quality for clients. Consistent quality only does come with consistent processes, consistent documentation, might be even minimal, doesn't need mm -hmm. to be large. You need to have different guidelines if you work with different freelancers or different partners. So you don't need to spend every time explaining how you work. And what are your like your base levels in like quality? Doesn't need to be about design, but like design principles about spacing, about consistency in space, about like uh, maybe kind of the accessibility requirements and how you use colors, how you do things, the systems that you use, plugins that you use within projects. Um, so starting as a business owner and you want to scale with people, if it's only you and you only want to keep you, only outsource, like get a VA or get someone that mm -hmm. does things that you don't like to do. And there's more admin things and maybe get in touch with clients, write your heartbeat, which I think was an amazing thing when I first saw that, is that I've seen rarely companies do that, or like the, at least the companies that I work with. Um, yeah. And that might also like make the companies I work with typical um, in a way that um, those companies might not have too much, too much stuff. But what I see is that uh, most of those like people, they don't need much. Like if you want to stay alone, you don't need much other people rather than a VA to take care of those things that just cost you time and you don't want to do because client communication doesn't make you money. And usually building out a project and launching a project makes you more money than hiring a VA to do the same thing and uh, saving up that time. So it's about priorities in terms of like, return and profitability um yeah so that's one of the first steps like after defining deciding what you want to do do you want to be just you and maybe someone else to do things you don't want to do necessarily do you want to have people involved that are able to scale up your company and take over large large part of your front like your revenue generating operations and then if you want to like get out of the picture a bit while having full-time stuff that can make you run your business that way. So that's how I would start and build that up. Um, there might be jumps and you might have a mix of things. Um, if you, let's say you want to add other services, you start again with that process until yep. you have a um, foreseeable revenue from that service before you can say, okay, I've got two, like, let's say, uh, like say every month consistently over the last year, like set six grand monthly in SEO revenue, and you can get someone on full time for two. You do that. You get yeah. that one there. Uh, but you need to have that margin and space to do that because you need things to be profitable. You need to take yourself a cut because you don't work for them. They work for you. 
So yep. you need to make more than them on that surface, or at least be able to allow that to build your company. That's actually one of the reasons I like the and and this. I'm different people have different ways of thinking about it. You know, f- for me, I define. I think the fulfillment partner is interesting. So I think I got that term from Eric, our mutual friend. Um, but I like to think about a fulfillment partner as a basically an isolated. Um, agency could be the word to use, but basically another sort of isolated group that you can partner with to fulfill on a service that you maybe aren't, you know, very well versed in yourself. So for me to hire a freelancer to do, say, I'm just going to use an example. Um, Let's say that you have multiple options, like for email marketing, let's say you want to add an email marketing service. Well, you could hire a freelancer and work with them more closely. You're typically going to pay a freelancer with an hourly rate. You're going to work closely to define those processes. You're going to figure out how much it takes, adjust your prices accordingly, and work through that process. Where with something like a fulfillment partner, you might do some research, have some calls, and like, decide that there is another agency that you could work with that already does email marketing. And then they can give you a defined price. No. And they're also the experts. So if they say, okay, well, it's going to be $150 per email, then you know that if you charge, I mean, it's probably not going to be that much, but just for example, then you know that you're profitable if you charge $300 per email. I like to make Mm -hmm. that 50%, you know, profit margin. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, that, that for, if you're scared to jump into scaling, like if you know that you want to add some more, then this is the exact, this is the, 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 the time when I think that makes sense. Like if you're trying to build a team, then I think you start with the freelancer route. If you don't really want to manage people or build a team or even like, if you're not thinking about a sellable business, like, like in built to sell. Um, cause I don't, I don't necessarily think you can count your fulfillment partners as people who like, cause I mean, they, they don't technically work for your business. They do, but they don't. And so I don't know how much that actually would factor into, um, the sale value of a company. Probably not much would be my guess, but I could be wrong there. Uh, regardless, yeah. like it's, if you want to be able to do more services for your clients, without having to become the expert in those services or even develop those systems and processes, then a fulfillment partner can be a great like first step to, to getting something yeah. like that done. But if you look at like larger business, like Apple, do they own factories? Good point. Good point. No. So like value yeah. isn't necessarily in insight like full-time employees but it's about consistency and it's about building something that's gonna guarantee in an x amount of time an x amount of turnover increase possibilities that's a very good point yeah so um so for example let's say so i think while you were explaining this and how you would see the term fulfillment partner i think there's two types so there might be four types in terms of the scaling possibilities because there's a fulfillment partner that can be consistent that let's say you have design issues and you want to like you just need consistency 
in having a, like an outsourcing company where you outsource design work. Like you need, you need some custom graphics, some illustrations. You need to do some artwork done, some social media posts, or you want to create some like some design elements from pages to make just spice up the design and make it a little bit alive and seem a little bit more professional and time spent on. Um, and in that space, like then you can outsource that to like there's a few design companies that you can then outsource that to um that are like there that are consistent you just have a monthly subscription to their services you have an x amount of designs simultaneously an x amount of revisions that's what you can do the second so the second type is the white label partners which i consider myself part of is the main difference is that design agency or like someone that you outsource on a fixed like an, a monthly recurring thing is they don't have necessarily the best for your company in mind. Because their subscription is going to stay the same. So like accounting, bookkeeping, those might get into those that category, like design agencies as well. Uh, they might, independent of like the number of invoices you send them, it's part of a predefined package um, and it doesn't impact things. White label partners, on the other hand, are usually people that are invested in your business because with you becoming a viable, like like a very important piece of their company, makes the agency's success, the business owner's success, also their success. Because the more, for example, yeah. you start to grow and able to take on more projects the more consistent the income is going to be for that white label partner as well. Um, the, the more you're able to charge, if, if it's subscription-based or if it's just normal website design regular with uh, like maybe payment in two or three installments, um, then like white label partners are the, the perfect choice, uh, but you can only have them if you've gone through them as a freelancer. Because right. you need to like get a feel for who they are, who they are consistently, if they are going to be up to the task in everything that your company represents yeah. and how you want things to work. Okay. That way, I think I will discern like the uh, two types um, between or fulfillment partners. Because I think white label partners, and so I think you would see it as partners, like freelancers, partners, business owner. And the partners would be white label partners and fulfillment partners. Yeah. Because I think a fulfillment feels like there's just a gap and they just do that. Right. Uh, white label partners, create, like they get into a gap, but they also expand the gap. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they help you grow and increase that gap of needs. Yeah. Well, actually, I wonder if there's not three, right? Because really, you could also have a business partner, like a joint venture type yeah. partner where you're – so yeah. there's actually multiple levels of partnership. So you're helping me think through my framework here. I like that. So basically, mm -hmm. you've got a freelancer, you've got a partner, and then you've got um, – a full-time employee and on the partnership there's actually like multiple different levels right there's yeah, the, the exactly. white label the fulfillment partner and uh and the jv or the business partner so that's really interesting um 
I totally agree. Well, look, I, I really do want to be respectful of your of your time here. So uh, we're going to begin to wrap up. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you, because uh, I know these days, like, I am fortunate enough to have you on as a uh, white label partner, and I'm very grateful for that. I know that your time uh, is very limited because you have multiple white label partners that you work with. But uh, mm -hmm. as anyone listening to this conversation, and by the way, as a side point, if you've got nothing but this conversation other than go read the E-Myth, Built the Cell, and Profit First, you have got a goldmine business education uh, from this episode. So go read those books. Um, but as anyone listening can tell, um, you have a lot to offer from a, uh, you're very knowledgeable about, about business. And so, um, I know you said you're interested in maybe even getting into some consulting work. So tell mm -hmm. us more about you, uh, in that regard. Like how can you, uh, you know, are you interested in working with people on that way? How can they <clears> find <throat> you and just any final remarks that you have? Because as being a white level partner and just working alone, as you said, like, as we discussed, time is limited and, yeah. I like to help people that are looking to scale up. So, um, or like just, or even just improve their business, even if they have it as a site hustle or if they have it as the main thing and they work alone um, and they don't necessarily need a white label partner. Um, and I think one of the things might be that what it, what it can help is in, I've done the same with Steve as well. We've gone through some parts of his business as well, besides the white level things, but just analyze things that we might be able to improve to just get make the business better. Um, and just calls, it's almost like consulting consultation calls will be similar to like this podcast episode um, that we just recorded. Um, and just helping to see what are your needs and what are your issues and how can we make those go away or prepare you for doing that. Um, and I think um, besides working with white level part, like with agencies, what I like, um, and that's one of the things there's always like spots that open up or not, because it's a process of finding a connection with an agency that you feel, okay, here's a connection. And depending on the phases of a company, they might scale up and go more with full-time employees rather than like freelancers or white label partners. And that's different stages of where a company might be in. And so in that sense, I'm always able to have a chat um, and discuss what your needs are. If you do need folks of a white label partner, is that the current phase? Do you need a freelancer? Is that your phase? Or if you just need someone that is going to help you into like diagnose your company, and see how we can make it into a better and better functioning company. Um, and I think that's how I would be able to help you best um, with that in yeah. mind. So um, I'm currently in the process of redoing my website. So my website is going to be on brightsoul.nl. And if you want to know how you write that, you can <laughs> see how it is .nl from the Netherlands. Nice. <clears throat> Very good. Yeah. So you're going to be redoing that. So that is that the best place for people to just get in touch with you? <clears throat> so, um, so if there's people that are like in the groups, they already have like spoken to me. Um, that's what they can do. They can email me as well at Christian at brightsoul.nl, uh, oh. which is my personal email that they can use. 
Um, and if you already are in touch with me, like, you know, or on platform, like if you're on Facebook groups with me, you might just send me a message there or in, in, uh, Josh's pro group, you can almost send me a message there if you need to, um, to have a chat, um, and see how I can help you grow your business further. Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Your time has been awesome today. And that, that is one thing I can say is, um, um, if I can, if I can dote on Christian a little bit here is that he really does care, um, about your business. Right. And he, I, I guess he gets that from his dad. Um, you know, I, when you were telling the story about being in the small business, you know, you talking about your dad, like actually consulting with people and like trying to get to the root of it and figure out what the problem is to make sure that, you know, the customer gets the right solution. Uh, working with Christian is very much like that. Um, it, it's never, it's, it, it, it I, I joke about it. I mean, I don't know if I've ever told you this to your face, so I'm telling you now, um, because every now and then we'll hop on a quote unquote quick Zoom call, um, and they usually are like two and a half hours long. And I'm not saying that's going to happen for you. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you're going to hop on a 15 call, a minute call with Christian, and it should last hours. But um, the reason why that happens is because he doesn't just take what you say and then give you the answer that you want to hear. He will actually ask you clarifying questions and like get to the bottom line of what you're trying to accomplish. And because he understands that it makes the result and the outcome so much better. So, um, Christian, I just deeply appreciate you. I thank you for your time here. Hang out with me for a minute after I, uh, I'll turn off the recording, if you will. And uh, for everyone else, thank you for joining us and for hanging out for a few minutes. And, uh, we appreciate your time and Christian, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me and allowing the two of us just to talk about things that are important to our businesses. And um, yeah, yeah, if someone made it to this point, I think you um, have got a lot of knowledge now to uh, grow your business and um, go ahead. 100%. All right. Thank you, guys. Hey there, it's Steve, and I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. You know, one of the biggest questions that I get is, okay, Steve, I'm excited. I love this idea of subscription web design, but I have no clue where to get started. If that's you, go to subscriptionwebdesign.com right now, enter your best email address, and I'm going to send you an exclusive training that I did on the five models of subscription web design that will show you the options that are available to you and give you some things to think about on how to get started. And for a limited time, I'm going to include my contract template for subscription web design. I've been asked multiple times to provide this template, and it's usually only available to my paying students. It's a $100 value, but it's yours free. Just go to subscriptionwebdesign.com and enter your best email address there, and I'll send those right to you, as well as send you daily email tips from the trenches of running my agency. See you over there at subscriptionwebdesign.com.